Hello and welcome back. I say back because this is the second in our series of Media Bow Podcasts 2020 Year End Wrap-Ups. If you're just joining us, we already have done video games in this reverse order that we're doing next uh, this year. And next up on the slot on the docket is music. Now, if this is the first time you're listening to this, what this is, the Media Boat Podcast, is a podcast about movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. And the wrap-ups are where we reflect on the year that was, this crazy mixed-up year of 2020. We talk about a recap of all the events that have happened so far in the year that we think are important to mention. We then pick one topic that was the story of the year for that whatever uh, piece of media. And then in the back end of the show, we talk about our own top five lists of our favorite things that year. So in this case, our favorite albums of the year. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Uh, that was dog you heard yeah well, well, guest guest appearance there and if you don't want to hear our wrap-up go ahead and skip about an hour into this <laughs> podcast to get right into our topic of the year and our albums of the year yeah we but, usually um retread a lot of the same ground that we did during the year of the podcast so if you don't want to hear us repeat things yeah skip ahead but if you'd like to take a stroll through memory lane instead of listening to all 50 podcasts that we've done for the year we can do that right now take a little stroll yeah the year that was 2020 yeah or music in 2020's case maybe not a stroll but maybe like you know you kind of trip you keep tripping over and over again and you can't really get your balance the whole time that's more like (laughs) what it is well sit back relax hit play well you've already hit play (laughs) for the music that is clearly All right, so take me back to the quaint time of January 2020. Well, you know what we have to do. We're going to go back in time for January yes. 2020. Yeah, we already did this, but I guess we could do it again. The, yeah, the, the Wayne's World transition. All right, January. January. Ah, such a simple time when there was no more <sighs> Rascal Flats. Yes. Or rather, <laughs> the... <laughs> No, there's always been Rascal Flats. You're saying that Rascal Flats says they, they were planning on packing it up. Yes, uh, that the trio of Rascal Flats announced that they were going separate ways following a farewell tour set to begin in June. Yep. That number um, came to fruition, though. Yeah, interesting to say that this happened right before the pandemic, so they did not go on any uh, tours, we should say. Uh, but yeah, no more... Uh, Rascal Flats, a band that's existed in the country landscape for about a decade. Right. But at least on a more positive note, we did have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020 inductees announced. As always. That being of Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, the Notorious B.I.G., and T-Rex. While they did announce that they would be inducted, that show never came to exist. Yeah, they were unable to do it in the traditional method because uh, as the weeks went on, they realized that having people in an auditorium, having a concert for it was not going to happen. So yeah, um, that's the only thing that really changed this year. Otherwise, they were still inducted into the Hall of Fame just as usual. Right. Uh, Also in January, we had Neil Portnoy, 
the former CEO of the Recording Academy, stepping down after being accused of raping an unnamed recording artist. Yes. Um, so this was the culmination of some stories from last year, which we talked about, uh, and kind of an overall image of the Recording Academy as behind the times, especially when it came to supporting women. Um, in kind of the aftermath of this, not a whole lot of that conversation has changed. Even though leadership, leadership has been shook up in the Recording Academy, there's been a whole lot more drama for the Academy to deal with outside of just allegations of harassment with the pandemic, with live music basically being shut down, and with the Grammy still being a contentious point of, uh, well, of contention, which we'll talk about a little later. Well, we'll talk about right now because the Grammys <laughs> also happened in February. Yes, where, last year's Grammys. Right. One of the last big events where people were allowed right. indoors. Yes. Where Billie Eilish swept the top categories, uh, where she and her brother, a recording partner, Phineas O'Connell, took home six out of the seven awards they were nominated for. Mm-hmm. It was a Billie Eilish coming out party, a Billie Eilish night. Yeah, and I think that looking back at this one, the vibe of these Grammys were like half and half for me. Like I felt like they got most of these right, but they whiffed it on a few categories as well. And ultimately I came out of it being like, yep, the Grammys are still the Grammys. So we'll see how this year's uh, slate uh, looks out uh, this coming February. Yep. Uh, let's see. We uh, um, That was pretty much it for January. Kind of yeah. a slow start to the year. Yeah, I think it was a slow year in music overall, I think, is what we'll see in a few moments here. <laughs> right, because as we get into February, there wasn't a whole lot of news outside of My Chemical Romance. Um, right anticipating a reunion show and then delivering on it. So yeah, they announced that they were going to go on tour again. That of course did not happen due to the pandemic, Um, but maybe the fruits of that will come at a later date. Maybe we'll see more music, new music. Maybe we'll see more performances, but only when it's safe to do so. Okay. And then we also have Warner Music Group announcing that it would be going on the stock exchange as a new PO. Yes, they announced their IPO, later pulled it off, and um, was apparently a very successful offering. Um, apparently going public was really good for them. And Warner Music um, doing this before the pandemic was, uh, yeah, had some foresight to it that they probably didn't even know. Yep. Uh, according to Industry Insiders, it was valued at a 3.3 billion dollars which is up from the 2.6 from time warner uh purchased in 2004. let's see we also have back in february the foo fighters going on their quote-unquote van tour (laughs) and you were very hot on this well it ended up not being it ended up not mattering because this didn't happen um but yeah they were going to do smaller venues, which in my mind was going to take those spots away from smaller bands that would have actually needed those stages. Um, so depending on the way you look at it, uh, it was either going to be a benefit or a, a harm on the local scene. Uh, but regardless, it didn't happen due to uh, pandemic restrictions coming down the following month. 
Uh, we also had Lady Gaga announce her next single as yeah. well as her future album that yes. will come out later this year. Yeah, uh, Gaga had a little bit of a comeback this year. Um, we'll talk about it more when we get to Chromatica, but uh, but yeah, uh, I think and her VMA wins also uh, later in the year. But yeah, it was kind of like she really tried to get back to where she was when she started her um, her career, uh, got more into that dance pop zone. And I think it worked for her, especially worked definitely more than the uh, the last album she put out. Yep. And speaking of things no longer working, Flavor Flav became <laughs> an alumnus of Public Enemy. Yeah, he bailed uh, because I guess. Uh, is just uh, with Chuck D over an appearance uh, at a oh, Bernie right. Sanders rally. That's right. Chuck D uh, performed at a Bernie Sanders rally under the name of Public Enemy <laughs> without Flavor Flav. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flavor Flav, I guess, was miffed about it. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Back when Bernie Sanders was still a campaign. Right. Back when we were still in the primaries. Can you believe that all happened this year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a uh, long ass year. Yep. And uh, we also had Dixie Chicks release their first song in 13 years, Gaslighter, which was also the name of its album in 13 years. Of course, the Chicks would have an extraordinarily long year after that because they would, one, change their name to just the Chicks after the George George Floyd and Black Lives Matter protests, and then would release Gaslighter later than originally planned. And then we get into March and where things start to become the new normal. Yeah. Or fall as apart. Coachella and Stagecoach both announced that they would be postponing yes. their music festivals and would, I don't want to say domino effect, but set the trend for everyone else shutting down their music festivals and music venues. Certainly. And becoming story of the year. Or yeah, one of the story of the year. I think there's definitely something to be said about a year without a festival and live music just completely have, having stopped. Um, which, of course, dovetails into um, the need for more support uh, for these institutions and artists than our government is choosing to give. Um, but that's a bigger conversation than this podcast. <laughs> yeah, they did try and temporarily put the dates uh, from April yes. to October. And now thinking about that now, after we're past October and into December, nothing's changed. Actually, things are worse Then, yeah, this was very wishful thinking on, um, their, on their part to think that October was going to be a time for a music festival. <laughs> well, this is also the time back when people thought, oh, if you put a mask on, we'll be over this in a month and be back yes. to normal thing was they didn't anticipate that people would refuse to put on masks thank you chat (laughs) (laughs) uh oh yeah something that we completely i don't know if we uh glossed over (laughs) but i know it's not going to end up on one of my lists no donald glover put out an album yeah or did he or did he did it's a 12 song uh album quote unquote album it's listed as an album, but I guess it could also be a mixtape because there was no track names, but rather just the time code for it. And then it was pulled off 12 hours later. 
So to this date, we still don't know if this is going to be properly released. Wait, I thought it was properly released. I don't recall that it was. <laughs> if it did, we didn't talk about it. It's <laughs> uh, it down here in my uh, thoughts. Well, maybe we didn't it's talk an about album. It. Okay. Um, but yeah, this also, um, as we mentioned with uh, Coachella, um, pushed back other artists releasing their albums, mm -hmm. like Lady Gaga. Yeah, that was the first inkling of us knowing that this, the releases were going to be weird because of the pandemic. Some artists were like, nope, still going to go for it. The bigger artists, though, especially like Lady Gaga, uh, were basically told by their labels to delay it due to concerns about marketing the record. I guess the marketing concerns were that they weren't able to do the big press release, you know, big performances, big tour announcements, that it wouldn't be the same kind of sales level uh, without it. Ultimately, though, uh, they real when they realized that there was no reason to wait till because there was going to be no guarantee that they could run all that marketing again, they decided to just launch the record anyways. So, but there was that moment there where it looked like the music industry was going to stand firm against big releases until they absolutely had to. But uh, we'll get to more of that in a little bit. Great. And lastly, in March, one thing that you brought forward in this podcast that I hadn't seen elsewhere, I'm, I'm not sure if we talked about it beforehand, Yeah. but Bandcamp became a prime source to help artists who have, were impacted by the coronavirus. Yes, so they continue to do that. In fact, this past Friday was the last of the year of their fabled Bandcamp days. So what, they, the, what they've been doing is, yes, they initially supported COVID relief at first, but then for the subsequent Bandcamp Fridays that they did throughout the rest of the year, it was basically just 100% to the artists or who the artist chose to support. So what you would see is the artist taking it into their own hands and then doing compilation um, albums that were for whatever charity they wanted to support because 100% of the money was going to them and nothing was going to Bandcamp fees they could dedicate all of the money to the charity of their choice. So yeah, no, 2020 was definitely the year of Bandcamp uh, to me. They really, I already of course used them, but I think they really uh, had a visibility to more people, more people found out what they do and how awesome they are, especially in a year where Spotify just continues to look worse and worse when it comes to the mere pittance that they pay their artists. So it was definitely a positive thing. The growth and expansion of, of Bandcamp as a force in the music industry was really endearing to see. Right. And as we move into April, even bigger artists like Taylor yeah. Swift got into the um, into helping out uh, record stores who had been impacted. Yeah. Yeah, she did this nice little thing in Nashville where she mm -hmm. uh, helped save a, uh, a record store that was about to shut down. Right, and this ultimately led to the Recording Academy launching COVID, or launching Music Cares yeah. for the COVID-19 relief. So I understand that Music Cares has continued throughout the year uh, raising money um, here and there for artists. They put on some streaming concert series. They've um, lobbied Congress a few times for, uh, for sweeping changes. However, really beyond money, not a whole lot of actual legislation has come out of this. Um, the COVID bill, the stimulus bill, only had a slight bit of uh, provisions for 
for the music industry, not a whole lot, not enough. So as I said earlier, live venues, artists that rely on touring to survive are all still continue to be affected by this pandemic severely. And it won't return to normal until like, until they're allowed to go out and tour again. Um, so yeah, what we saw over the course of the year is that even though some money is being raised, it's not enough to keep from these historic venues from shuttering. We've seen quite a few do that. Right, and we've also seen Apple Music um, set up a $50 million royalty fund yeah. for its independent labels. Yeah, which is good. I mean, they could probably afford to do even more than that. Uh, you know, but the trillion the dollar company can do more than yeah, with million? 50 million. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it's like it is what it is. It's better than what Spotify's done this year, which is jack shit. So, <laughs> well, on the lighter side, uh-huh. Selena Gomez had filed a ten million dollar lawsuit <laughs> for the mobile game. Oh yeah. Yeah, I forgot about this one. It's just one of those silly, silly stories that came across we came across this year. Yeah, but it's um, also one of those good ones that breaks the monotony of uh, yeah, just dystopia tone that we've been running through the year. Right. But yeah, I guess this mobile app used Selena Gomez's likeness uh, in it without her permission. She was like, that looks like me. And yeah, uh, sued him into oblivion. Uh, let's see. We also have Casey Musgraves releasing a new version of Oh, What a World uh, 2.0 for Earth Day. Yeah, and I remember being kind of like, yeah, yeah, this exists, but not yeah. thinking much of it. Also, I didn't need to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Live Nation CEO uh, Michael Rapino. Yeah. Fighting to restore the uh, company at large. So that uh, was that they decided finally after some back and forth about how ticket uh, refunds would be treated, they did end up just biting the bullet and refunded everybody's tickets. Right. Uh, some $400 million. Yeah. Uh, being refunded. They also did also on top of that kind of pass the buck to venues and be like, well, we're going to leave it to the venues to decide whether you get the full refund on their side and also caused a huge disaster. Um, So yeah, if you, I'm sure, had concert tickets, which I know you personally did, you know the story about like how much of a pain it was and a hassle to figure out how much, if any, that you could get refunded. Right, well, because you had some birthday concerts that you (laughs) did go to? Yes, Uh, so I was able to go to one of those uh, before the ultimate shutdown order came out. Uh, but then, yeah, uh, two of those were canceled and I got refunds for them. Right. And then we also have uh, Amoeba Music shutting down. In uh, one of their locations, one of uh, the one in Hollywood, um, one of the historic, uh, not the first, but definitely one of the most historic ones on Sunset, Sunset Boulevard. But yeah, they had to close permanently because of this. Mm-hmm. And then we get into May, and one of the more hilarious uh, stories we've had dealing with Mattel, the toy company, mm-hmm. having a catalog of more than 1,000 songs from Barbie and Hot Wheels and American Girl, uh, do yeah. a multi-year global licensing music agreement with mm-hmm. Warner Music. So at first, this was kind of a silly story that we weren't sure about how it was going to go, um, but as time has gone on and I've been following more people who have children on Twitter, 
is what I noticed is that apparently the music for children, for very young children industry is booming right now. So I would understand why Mattel, a toy company that caters to children, would want to get in on this with their properties. So yeah, if you're a, a parent of a young child, your Spotify uh, rap this year was probably full of uh, songs for your kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, this also helped um, Warner Music with its big IPO launch on the stock market too, mm. adding all those catalogs and then probably boosting its profits as well. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Taylor Swift did and did not release Lover on concert. Um, yeah, the, the concert thing ended up um, because she was no longer to do her big tour. Right, her Lover West and Lover East concerts. She instead did a, a special uh, based on a recording that she did in Paris late last year uh, and put it up on the Disney Plus. Yeah. And uh, that wasn't would not be her only I guess, concert on Disney+. Plus. We'll talk more about Taylor later. <laughs> no, but we could also talk about Lord's third album being in the works. Yeah, she's kind of been back and forth about the progress on this thing. I know she went on um, a little bit of a sabbatical this year. Um, but, but yeah, she had said that she is working with Jack Antonoff on some new material, and maybe we'll hear it next year. Right, and here we also have finally, the Warner Music Group, being valued at $13.3 billion in its initial offering. Yeah, like I said, as successful as I'm sure they were expecting it to be, uh, even during the pandemic. And then that brings us into the summer of June, mm -hmm. if you can believe it or not. Yeah, we're just cruising right through this. I know. Well, because like not a whole lot happened. Um Stuff happened to people. People were generous in their donations to COVID relief. Mm -hmm. But that was like the bulk of what was so it's essentially spring. Yeah. March to August? No, March to April, May. Yeah. yeah. I can do months. You can do months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we get into the uh, Grammy Awards. Um, doing a little mix up here. Yeah, part of their kind of recovery and trying to fix their image after last year uh, was they're going to change a lot of the terms used in their awards. And one of them, yeah, the first of which was they removed the term urban from all their awards. So they just turned into progressive R&B to differentiate between newer, more modern uh, R&B sounds from the classic R&B sound. Right. And also in June, uh, because we had mentioned video games doing uh, Black Lives Matter protests, mm -hmm. that the music industry went uh, had a blackout Tuesday where they went silent for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Yeah. Another one of those good in concept and on paper, but when you actually think about the, that it absolutely does nothing, it loses its luster a little bit. Hmm. Uh, we did get the announcement of the Avicii experience mm. coming in 2021 in Stockholm, Sweden, as well as a tribute. Oh, no, that's different. That's Adam Schlesinger. Yeah. Uh, who, yeah. Who, yeah, who passed away this year. Passed uh, away this is, year. It's another big story. Yeah. Um, we also have 
Tencent and Warner Music, uh, Tencent acquiring a stake in Warner Music Group because they yep. had they went public, the tune <laughs> of two hundred million dollars. Yeah, if we're doing an overall story of the year, I think Tencent investing in everything is maybe one of them <laughs> because that happened. Right, because we're going to get to another Tencent coming up here as we get closer to September. Mm-hmm. Um, but because no one could hold concerts, yeah. we had drive-in concerts as See, a replacement. This was an experiment that largely seems to have failed uh, since there isn't a whole lot going on. Um, but there were some successful drive-in concerts that took place. Right. Mainly the one we have listed here is from Nashville, where Darius Rucker and John Party mm-hmm. um, hosted a drive-in concert. I know that there have been a number of drive-in concerts held here where we are at. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not attended any, <laughs> but know people who have gone to them. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 not it's become common, but not pervasive enough that your favorite artist is out there doing a. Um, a drive-in concert. It doesn't look like it got to that level. Right, but in July we were home free because Chase <laughs> Rice held a concert in Tennessee with maskless fans. Yes, which blew up on him in in social media as he quickly had to basically apologize for the restrictions not being high enough. Oh, that's right, because there was no... Because there were no restrictions. Restrictions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, oh, and we have the first of name changes here in July as well. Yes. As the Dixie Chicks officially right. change their name to The Chicks. Yep. Um, which would be the first in a number of artist changes, but probably not the biggest one, which uh, could yes. also be considered story of the year. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm surprised. I, I didn't realize how late in the year that happened, but yeah, I guess we'll get to it soon. I mean, I think it's coming up right here. Yeah, yeah. here it is. Yeah, because right. like it was the following week because after the chicks changed their name. Yeah, I don't know if this is the most important story of the year, but it's oh, sure one of the most. But it's sure one of the most fascinating and most pervasive, as we talked about it several times. Right, and that would be of Lady A. Yeah. Being Lady Antebellum versus Lady A, the singer, aka Anita yeah. White. So no matter how you kind of look at this story, there's all sorts of weird wrinkles to it. So basically the, the, the boilerplate explanation is Lady Antebellum decided they would remove the Antebellum from their name due to concerns about it referring to a um, racially charged time in US history, you could say, post the Civil War. You could also say, uh, you, you can also say other things, but that's another story. Uh, but yeah, um, Though doing so, they decided that they would call themselves Lady A, a nickname that they've already been known as by their fan base. Problem with this is that there is an existing artist who also goes by the name Lady A, who decided she has a problem with this. At first, it looked like things were going to be uh, cordial between the two groups. They said that they were going to meet and have a discussion and decide best practices going forward. Well, that happened, and for one brief moment, it looked like Lady A was cool with Lady A. That didn't last very long, as we kind of go forward in his, in the, the history of this uh, this year. 
you see litigation start as Lady A starts uh, suing uh, Lady Ant, the formerly known as Lady Antebellum, uh, for using their using her name and not agreeing in a way where they could uh, share the profits in a way that was um, respectable to her. And it kind of went downhill from there. Right. In the simple statement, it broke down to coexistence will simply not work. No, Lady A was not going to have it until she was adequately uh, compensated and Lady Antebellum, or more likely Lady A. Antebellum's uh, readership company. manager label or whoever's involved in decision-making was not going to uh, give up that easily, you could oh, say. You mean Scooter Braun? If, yeah, it turns out, um, which, yeah, that's a story of the year, isn't it? We'll get there a little later. Uh, but yeah, uh, so needless to say, it was a complicated battle and struggle between the two that has continued to this day does not look like it will end anytime soon because as it stands right now uh lady a still thinks that should be her name wait have we not gotten to the scooter braun thing yet we have not gotten to the scooter braun thing yet i do want to say though i think the seeds of that started last year i mean yeah the seeds started last year when he bought big machine records but yeah we haven't gotten to the stuff that happened this year yet But we will. Okay. Well, then let's continue <laughs> moving on then into, uh, are we in June here? In July. Yeah, July. Keep moving on then into July where Megan the Stallion mm-hmm. uh, was with an unidentified woman <sighs> in the car of rapper Tory Lanez when he was arrested. Yes. Having a concealed weapon in the vehicle. I would argue that this is actually a crazy, like one of the weirder stories that happened this year. And it's probably more important. Uh, because of the effect it had on Megan Thee Stallion, the artist. Uh, because what you see is that this is the first of a, sev- a string of events that made Megan one of the biggest artists of 2020. So it was later uh, proven that Tory Lanez was the person in that car who shot the gun. Later, it was confirmed that Megan Thee Stallion was the recipient of a shot of a bullet wound. Later, even later than that, it was uh, finalized that Tory Lanez was accused of shooting Megan Thee Stallion, which all then culminated in the recent release of Megan Thee Stallion's record, Good News, in which in the first song, she describes the events and makes and, and uh, proceeds to make fun of Tory Lanez. The first uh, <laughs> title, the first track on that album was called Shots Fired. Yeah, so you would imagine that she was going to comment on this. Tory Lanez, meanwhile, apparently released an entire album basically of a sob story about how you shouldn't believe what Megan says and that he didn't do anything wrong. No one cares about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, what a story. What a weird, weird story. Walked away with a lot of awards. Right. Uh, I think at the AMAs. And we'll get to, uh, I don't know if we'll get to it because I don't know if it was a news story, but in the Billboard, one of the biggest stories of the year was Megan Thee Stallion and uh, Cardi B's WAP. Uh, right. Wednesday afternoon football. Yeah. Football? That's the only way I can make the P work. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Whatever works. Whatever works. Uh, well, uh, let's get back to concerts that weren't supposed to happen. <laughs> the Chainsmokers uh, yes. uh, had a concert in the Hamptons, which also was not um, adequately um, yeah. based. 
Right. Uh, and lastly, or rather in more happier news, Alan Menken became the latest recipient of EGOT status. Yes. By winning a daytime enemy. And yes, that counts. <laughs> yes, that counts. Not a regional enemy. Well, this, this, you don't have to differentiate between prime time and daytime. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg sure, sure doesn't. No, it's true. Uh, and then we get into August, where Dua Lipa's uh, sophomore album, Future Nostalgia, mm-hmm. would get a club r- 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 remix. Yeah, which we didn't like nearly as much as the original, which we actually uh, praised here on the podcast. We both really enjoy Future Nostalgia. Yes, and we will talk more about future <laughs> nostalgia at the end. Oh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Uh, and let's get back into um, TikTok, bike dance. We mentioned this in the previous podcasts. Yeah, let's really talk about let's talk about uh, TikTok real quick. So this didn't end up happening in the way that we thought it was going to, but there was a brief moment where uh, the president had a vendetta against uh, TikTok. Uh, because of concerns over it being a um, tool for the Chinese to uh, gather our data, which, with along with everything that the, the president says, is only half right. Um, <laughs> uh, turns out that he was like pressuring uh, big corporations here in the U.S. to buy the U.S. operations of TikTok, so that way that that data collection would be happening here in the states. Well, Microsoft was one of those suitors supposedly, but when all was said and done, they didn't end up purchasing uh, the trendy social media platform and instead a rival, uh, much smaller rival uh, ended up purchasing them. Uh, Cisco? That's what I was thinking too. I think it was Cisco. I think it was Cisco that ended up buying the TikTok TikTok US shares. So now the only song you can play on on, uh, TikTok is the thong song. Because that's Cisco. No, I'm kidding. It's not that Cisco. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> what if that was true, though? What if every TikTok had to have the thong song? Um, it would make I would make me to get it. I guess. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Download TikTok. No, that uh, that was just uh, Tinder for TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And uh, one of our stories that we were following all of last year in. Yes. Genius Media Group versus Google. Um, the judge dismissed the lawsuit and kind of put a nail in that coffin mm-hmm. that they didn't have a license, a clear case uh, to the original copyright owners of song lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, this was weird. I mean, it wasn't the best. The, the peak of the story was probably last year's whole like how um, Genius was putting in like weird codes. Right, red herring like, somewhere. Yeah, that you could see in the, 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 in the code for, um, for the Google stuff. But ultimately this resolution makes sense because the copyright is different when you're using somebody else's work. That's a redistribution of it and not necessarily a copy. So Genius, unfortunately, even though it is cr- basically a crowdfunded source of, uh, lyrics for songs doesn't make it its own copyrightable thing so google can use that stuff for free all right we also had smash mouth putting its foot in its mouth yep our third in the series of uh, 
concerts that shouldn't have happened. Right. And uh, a story that's been taking a lot more headlines the, the latter half of the year here. Yes. Is Britney Spears's conservatorship. I honestly think that this can be eligible for story of the year. And here's why. Yes, we've known for a while that Britney has been struggling under this conservatorship, but 2020 was the first time it was exceptionally made clear that she is not happy with the arrangement. I think before now you had maybe some cloudier versions and um, conflicting reports about whether or not she was doing all right. Like the hashtag free Britney movement has been happening for a few years now but I feel like there were still some people, me included for a while, that wanted to believe that she was okay and that people were maybe making up conspiracy theories about her health and well-being. You now, wanted though, to think that people were looking out for her best interests. Right. There was no way to really tell until now, and we definitely have confirmation on a legal stage that, no, she is not good and that her dad is basically controlling every aspect of her life. So this kind of has come to a head recently with Britney saying that she is refusing to perform um, at all or release uh, new content at all until this is resolved. There was a brief glimmer of hope about her uh, sister, Jamie Lynn, maybe taking some of the reins away from her father, but that ended up being rejected by the courts. Um, so it looks like that um, this is a work in progress still, and we're not really sure what the fate of Britney will ultimately be. Right. I think we all thought things were good when she took up residency right. in Las Vegas. Right. But, but then when that contract well. abruptly ended yeah. on December 31st of last year, is kind of when she never went out of the spotlight from there. And the conservatorship became an issue, or at least more front-facing of an issue than so, people yeah. trying to sweep it under the rug. So I definitely think that this this I think counts because it was the year this was the year that hashtag free Britney became very very real and an immediate concern, um, and yeah, we here at the Media Boat Podcast hope that she gets what she wants. And you will tell me what she wants, <laughs> what she really that's not, really wants. It's not Britney Spears. It's oh no, it's not. No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> nice try though. Oh, same 90s girl things. Mm -mm. <laughs> make, makes people really mad at that. <laughs> uh, anyway. well, let, anyways, we move into September with the VMAs um, perform, performing very strongly to the tune of 6.4 million viewers. Yeah, I think there's a lot of eyes on them. Thanks to everybody being home. Um, also, the way that they pre presented them was very strange and new and um, kind of gave us an a vision of what it would be like if we had to do award shows like this for a long time, which has turned out to be the case through the rest of the year. Um, so yeah, uh, the actual winner though, ended up just being basically a big showcase for Lady Gaga as she took most of the uh, biggest awards. Right, except for the weekend's Blinding Lights, right. which won video, video of the year, year, and started a trend of everyone not giving Blinding Lights the praise? Well, no, actually, it started a trend of Blinding Lights winning everything up until the Grammy nominations, which we'll get to later. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, we also have Amazon Music letting its artists deliver live concerts and other 
live <laughs> streaming sessions from Twitch directly. <laughs> oh, oh boy, did this bite them in the ass later. So yes, this was launched only to be curtailed a few months later uh, when the, uh, a month later, like a month and change, I think, right. uh, when the Recording Academy and a bunch of other copyright holders basically were like, um, no, and started doing uh, takedowns. Um, DMCA, DMCA takedowns on music, on copywritten music being used on Twitch. Right, and that has led to people no longer playing music in the background on Twitch yes. or people re requesting songs. Even to the point where upcoming uh, video game release Cyberpunk 2077 will have a feature in its menu to turn off music that, it that the developers believe would get your video flagged. Right, and it's also <laughs> a um, led to music rhythm games mm -hmm. like Kingdom Hearts, Melody of Memory to provide a list yep. of potential yep. copyright songs. And Fuser as well. You can add Fuse, uh, Harmonix's Fuser to that list as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just, yeah, just a disaster that they had, I guess, good intentions with, but ended up being bad timing for them. Well, it's Amazon saying we're Amazon and we're big and you will do what we say. Yep. <laughs> and then the Recording Academy saying, uh, no, we're bigger and we're going to tell you what to do. And then Amazon just folded as if they weren't run by the richest man in the world. Well, the Recording <laughs> Academy also had the law on their side there. Yeah, theoretically. But <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It's a complicated issue. I don't know if it's quite eligible for story of the year because I feel like it's only really a couple of things that compounded on each other. I think it may be a bigger deal next year. I think this is one uh, where we put a bookmark in it and see how it develops. All right. Well, it's lunchtime. We should get a Travis Scott meal, right? <laughs> yes. This was the year of the Travis Scott meal and the J Balvin meal at the McDonald's. Uh, you could even get a chicken nugget body, body pillow for $90 if you wanted. Now they're worth like $400 and I'm so mad at myself. I didn't just buy it when I joked that I wanted to. <laughs> they were only available for a limited time so people apparently are like reselling them for a really high number and I'm just like man I should have gotten that body pillow <laughs> well we have the continuing uh, saga that is yes. Lady A which kind of already talked about but right um, where they went to court in Nashville and then changed locations or countersuited rather in Seattle which is Lady A and Lena <laughs> White's hometown Yes. And demanded a $10 million payment. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is sky high. But that was supposed to be broken down between $5 million to Black Lives Matters mm -hmm. movements and groups and $5 million to a rebranding of her. Needless to say, this did not, this, this payment did not happen and the legal games continue. <laughs> right. Also, um, asterisk, we were wrong. It wasn't Cisco. It was Oracle. Oracle, the other one. Yes. That's why you don't hear the thong song. <laughs> <laughs> they you saw it coming. Hear, you instead hear the, uh, you're only allowed to use music from the soundtrack to the Matrix. Okay, so you're going with that Oracle. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, I had a few options there. I ended up going with Matrix. You know, it's topical. Uh, yeah, maybe like 20 years ago. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, Oracle was the winner of the TikToks TikTok bidding war, right? Right. Uh, from Bite Dance, 
and then the first of rescheduled shows from Elton, uh, starting with Elton John and his yeah. farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. Yeah, his big final tour that he made such a big deal about, uh, and it started, uh, ended up not being able to continue. Uh, and who knows? It says it's currently scheduled to maybe begin in Europe on in September 2021. I think that is even maybe generous at this point, looking forward to the coming year. Uh, and then North America in January 19th, 2022, which to me makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, at least here in the US, but in the UK uh, and like Europe and around the world, you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Just not here quite yet. Yeah, we will see what happens. Yep. Uh, let's see. We also have the Vin Diesel single being released. Oh, right. Yes. Vin Diesel became an artist this year. Yep. And Lil Yachty being a, a little trouble for driving 150 yep. miles per hour yeah. on the Atlanta interstate. Yep. That happened. And then we get into October and the final wrap-up of one of the longest court battles we've been tracking here on the Meadville podcast. Yeah, probably something that we reported at least one story of each year of this podcast. And probably the last story we'll be talking about it. It is yeah. Led Zeppelin uh, versus Spirit for the song Taurus and Stairway to Heaven, how they mm -hmm. have the same melody, uh, not... I don't remember what it exactly was. I think it was a portion of the song, but I don't remember which portion. But yeah, basically Spirit said that they, they had ripped them off. But yeah, finally, uh, court the court finally was like, no, no, your guys are fine. Led Zeppelin is not at fault. Right, uh, There, it's for the intro. Okay. The um, piano intro, is it piano or is it? Yes, it is, I believe it is piano. Piano intro, intro. yeah. My my mom uh, my uh, parents joke about Stairway to Heaven was because they lived through the seventies. Uh, their joke about it was always it was it was the song that the DJ put on when they needed to go to the bathroom. Because it's like an eight minute song. Because it's like an eight minute song. <laughs> yep. <sighs> and then Spotify announced that it would do a weekly global music charts. Yeah. In addition to its weekly U.S album charts well no the, those were new too all of their charts were new um they launched all of them at the same time um mm. and i honestly thought this would be a bigger deal than it has been so far it seems like the major uh major outlets are still basically using the billboard as the more important charts so, but maybe the importance of streaming charts will come uh, as we continue right uh we also have tory lanes and megan the stallion shooting yeah, we talked about that. Um, talked about that. Uh, we have Google Music dying yep. and being morphed into YouTube Music, yep, which, yep. by the way, um, note ends yes. on the December 31st of this year. So if you're not transferred over, you, do it. you could lose all your Google Music. You got to do that soon. And then Apple launches Apple Music TV. Yeah. A 24-hour music video channel on Apple devices, website, and the music app. I've checked this out a little bit. I'm a little disappointed that it's not really an MTV thing. They're not doing like a whole lot of tailor-made content for it. Instead, it's basically just like, I don't know, music videos. Here they are. But the fact that you can just turn something on and watch some music videos, it's pretty cool in 2020. So 
I'm yeah, I'm mixed about it, but I guess I'm glad that it exists. Um, I guess in a side TikTok news, the Fleetwood Mac song of <laughs> uh, Dreams and Rumors yes. re-entered the top ten because of that viral TikTok video. viral video of ocean spray on a skateboard. Yes. Forever to many people's image of 2020 will be Batman with his ocean spray. Right. And that man eventually made commercials with like Snoop Dogg and yep. TikTok and everything. Yep. 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 Yeah. And uh, well, I guess we can say goodbye to him and goodbye to Guitar Center. Yeah. Because it missed a $45 million bond interest payment and kind of start, started to file for Chapter 11. Yes, and the update to this is they did end up filing for bankruptcy. I did not report on this because it just barely fell to another story last week. Uh, but yes, they ended up uh, going to file bankruptcy. So yeah, we'll see what the fate of them is uh, sooner than later, probably. Right, and this is Chapter 11, which is restructuring debt. Right, so this is basically not a guarantee that they're shutting down. It just means that they're trying to figure out how they can afford to keep going. Right, and then we have the other half of the Twitch soundtrack. Yes, uh, story. Yeah, there's shoe dropping. Yep, um, and that brings us kind of towards the end of the year here with November. Yeah. And oh yeah, Kanye West presidential bid. Yeah, uh, real whiff on that one. Real swing and a miss, if you ask me, as he only got what less than zero point five of the vote um, percent of the vote. So yeah, not even making a dent. Uh, he says they'll try again in 2024. <laughs> uh, I mean, this also follows up on his raving. Was it the VMAs that he did that on? Where he said, yes, that was the VMAs I'm... three or four years ago uh, when he announced that he would be running in 2020. Yeah. Well, I also don't think that well, he... Well, Kanye 2024? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know if he, one, anticipated the political landscape in 2020, or two, anticipated how much people would stop caring about Kanye in between those four years. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. more of a let's not care about Kanye. Exactly. Uh, let's see. We also have a Britney Spears update. Yeah, the, that was the most recent one where we announced that they basically, the, the Los Angeles court denied that new application, so they couldn't remove her father. Right, and the Twitch licensing update, which, yeah. I mean... Which we talked about. Talked about. <laughs> again, both of those possible story of the years. Mm -hmm. Lil Wayne was once again arrested for not having a gunman. And <laughs> no, for having a gunman. For no, having for a having gun. a gun on him. Yes. And not having a man to hold said gun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we also get into the culmination of last year's um, yes. Taylor Swift v. Scooter Braun fiasco. Right. So yeah, we knew that Scooter Braun had purchased uh, Big Machine re uh, Records and with it, all of Taylor Swift's masters, which meant that she did not have access to the songs that she had recorded on the big uh, big machine label and could not perform them without Scooter Braun receiving some sort of compensation. So this uh, got nastier in November when uh, he decided to sell the masters to an outside company, Shamrock Holdings, 
with one, without letting Taylor know so she could bid on them too, and two, informing her after the deal was closed. And well, it was also be... in the contract that Shamrock Holdings couldn't tell her. Right. Yes. Uh, so of course they were making the bid. So of course Taylor's reaction was, uh, "This sucks," and she told all her fans about it and made it public that she had told uh, Shamrock that she would not be doing business with them because it would still benefit, according to the contract, Scooter Braun. So uh, she's continuing her plan on re-recording her catalog of songs, which is a process that has started recently and is continuing. We actually guess got to another song that kind of, or another news story that kind of slipped through the cracks because there were more important things to talk about was that one of her uh, new recordings of uh, re-recordings of the song Love Story, a, uh, a very important song in the Taylor canon. Um, a version of it is available now um, in an ad that Ryan Gosling wrote for Match.com. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw this, but yes, no. if you watch this little short little uh, ad that Ryan Gosling wrote for Match.com, her new version of Love Story is playing in the background. Hmm. So. Well, I assume this will be a, a story next year when Taylor re-releases her yes. ma new masters? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, because they'll be the same songs because she wrote them. She has access to the songwriting. But yeah, they will be completely remastered so that way she can do those versions of the songs as opposed to the original. And then as we wrap up the year, Grammy nominations and the American Music Awards. Yes. Respectively. Uh, big, the biggest story I think to talk about with the uh, Grammy Awards, not who was nominated. The biggest story was, was who's not. Uh, the Weeknd, as we mentioned before, put up a big stink about being ignored and um, has led a slew of other artists to join him and basically accuse the Academy of underhanded practices. Uh, Halsey, among them. Um, I think Drake jumped in at one point. Justin Bieber also had issues. Um, so yeah, it's like just a who's who of people who are all pissed that they did not get Grammy uh, nominations this year. Shocker. Yeah, what a shocker. <laughs> what a shocker. Uh, yep, yeah, and then that's uh, leads to December and here we are. That's probably it, yeah. Uh, so yeah, check your Spotify wrapped 2020 playlists um, <laughs> for the songs you listen to. So yeah, I think that overall, like big picture, like looking at this year in music, unlike the year in video games is what we saw is the music. We thought for a moment there that no new music would come out. We ended up being wrong as there were plenty of releases. The only thing is, is that there was in the background of those new releases was tumult to the artists themselves, because without being able to tour, a lot of smaller artists did not have nearly enough money. Uh, and sales are still being suppressed by the existence of these draconian streaming services that like Spotify, that are not paying them enough money to exist. So what you have is two different like opposing stories happening in the music industry. Whereas like the bigger corporations, the big labels are thriving in a way that they've never thrived before. They're making money hand over fist thanks to the digital streaming market. Whereas your average everyday musician is at the worst point they've probably been since their career started because of the ways that they cannot 
get their usual money. So these just opposing forces are smashing and it's only going to be solved if they get some help. And I don't know if that help is coming. I mean, we didn't mention here, but there was legislation trying to get passed early on mm -hmm. about yeah. helping music artists, uh, songwriters and gig workers back in March when this pandemic first started. And However, now that we're six months, nine months into this thing, nine months, that kind of talk has basically subsided into silence. Yeah, and with uh, with uh, every every um, COVID relief bill being stopped in the Senate because Mitch McConnell insists on having corporate bailouts in every bill, it's going to be like that until maybe in January we get a Senate majority for the Democrats. And that's a big if, because that means both of those Georgia runoff elections need to be won. Again, bigger subject than this podcast really has the bandwidth for, but it does directly affect music, weirdly enough. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the big picture view is it doesn't look great for a lot of smaller artists right now. No, I mean, even before that, when we had the Foo Fighters going on their van tour, you were saying that was going to affect smaller artists. Yeah. And that was way before coronavirus right. basically wiped that out too. So yeah, it's it's a complicated time to be a musician. And as long as the, the big money is uh, dictating the, the direction of the industry, it's going to be that way. Well, with big money on our mind, <laughs> we need to pick a story of the year. Okay, what do you think is um, in the eligibility here? Uh, one, Warner Music Group. Okay. I think we talked about them quite a bit here, especially with their IPO and then purchasing of the Mattel children's songs. <laughs> I think, as you mentioned, Britney Spears and the conservatorship, especially in the back half of the year. And I'm going to put Lady A, because <laughs> we talked about that yeah. and followed that story quite um Quite intensely as they went back and forth. So, so yeah, I think, I think those are the three. I agree with you. Which I think if I was, no, nah, I can't really think of anything else. I think that those really check the boxes. I think maybe, oh, maybe a fourth could potentially be like, con like concerts that shouldn't have happened because we had three of those this year. Probably more that we didn't even talk about. Right. Um, <laughs> Concerts being canceled and then trying to make a comeback. I don't know how you, how would you phrase that. Yeah, I don't concerts. Know. Yeah, because concerts that shouldn't have happened or were um, shamed for happening. Yeah, but but I don't know if it's strong enough to be on the list with those three. So I think those three are good. If I was to narrow down to one though, personally, I think it's the Lady A story. So my reasoning for that is, yeah, Warner Warner Music. There's a lot of moving and shaking happening, but overall that could have happened in any year. Um, two, uh, the Britney Spears stuff, while important, it was the capping off of a story that's been going on for a very long time behind the scenes. But the Lady A thing is all pure 2020 because it's it comes out from something that is very born of the civil unrest happening here. And then it doubles down twice because then you have like the insanity that 
whoever is market like whoever is managing the band formerly known as Lady Antebellum just keeps whiffing it by saying the worst things at the worst times. Th this should have been a knock out of the park. This should have been just an easy, just like give Lady A what she wants and move on. You guys can both coexist in this space. You just have to give her what she wants. Like she didn't even want all the money. She wanted to go halvesies with a Black Lives Matter charity and they still didn't do it. So like, to me, this is, summarizes this battle that's happening between the big industry and this and the little musician, because you have you have this theoretical metaphorical battle that I was just talking about, and then you have it very realistically depicted here with Lady A versus Lady A. You have the big industry powerhouse basically saying, "No, we want to keep doing what we've been doing and don't lose any credibility while not letting you still act under your name and be buried by SEO that." makes us pop up every single time in the search engine. I think that, I think you're right. <laughs> I think in 2020, the Lady A story is the most 2020 story <laughs> because it was born in 2020. Yeah. The Warner Music Group was something that if you're going to go public and do a public offering, that's something that's usually months to years in the work that you're working with other people, that it's something that will happen, that's going to happen no matter mm -hmm. what. And also, I don't know if this is the time to really celebrate a giant, like a giant conglomerate for getting more money. Like, I don't, like just totally, right. totally that doesn't strike me as something that we should be like, yeah, awesome in 2020. Right, but then we also have the Britney Spears story, right. which that was going to come up in this year no matter oh, what. Yeah. It was like I said, yeah, it's a very important thing that we're now knowledgeable about what's been happening behind the scenes this whole time, for certain. Yeah, right. It was something that was going to happen following her stay at the Appline in Hollywood in Las Vegas that was going to come up in front of a court, in front of a judge, something that was already on the books. Yeah, the Lady A story, however, <laughs> was born out of the like you said, the civil unrest that happened in June. Yeah. Something that forced bands that has a part of bands needing to change their name, um, like the Chicks dropping Dixie Chicks. So Lady Antebellum dropped Antebellum, became Lady A. Mm -hmm. But then, like you said, you have this big guy versus little guy fight um, over naming rights and uh, trademarks that is a constant battle that we that we acknowledge here on the Midwell podcasts, especially in music, where it always seems to be the big guy versus the little guy, the label versus the record or the record store, the record shop versus the big company that that's prohibiting sales. And because it involves touring, that because their fans touring under know them touring under lady a mm -hmm. it is something that that hits a lot of the check boxes that could only come from a 2020 story yeah 100 percent. so it may sound like small potatoes at first but when you blow it up it just yeah it just signifies everything to me that this year has been just the struggle for the little guy under the giant foot that is the music industry Right, and it's not necessarily Lady 
a the group member's fault. Right. For all we know, they could just be powerless in this situation. And it's the label, like you said earlier, potentially Scooter Braun behind this. <laughs> right. Because there's always someone else pulling the strings here. Right. And I have a feeling that because it's there, because they had a initially a verbal agreement between the band members and Anita White, and not necessarily between actual labels and mm-hmm. people who hold the trademarks on these things. Yeah. That's where the legal battle comes from. Indeed. Yes. So yeah. Lady A, music story of the year? I think it is. <laughs> the Lady A's. <laughs> Lady A versus Lady A. The Lady A's, the, the Oakland Lady Athletics. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Lady A, 2020, story yeah. of the year. Yeah, guess so. But they didn't year. put an album out this year. Nor no, did they, they put out any new songs. They didn't have to. <laughs> Nobody had to. Nope, but that does bring us to uh, Media Boat needing to crown an album of the year. Yeah, we need to tar- start talking about these albums. What a year. So, we had 41 albums we talked about this year. Yep. Ranging yep. from in the beginning with good pop albums by Selena yeah. Gomez and Halsey and Kesha even mm-hmm. to the random Donald Glover album. <laughs> uh, Carly Rae Jepsen doing a dedicated side B album. Yep. yep. As we mentioned, Dua Lipa and uh, Taylor Swift both putting out albums. Mm-hmm. And Katy Perry even tried to put out an album. <laughs> yep, and nobody remembers that one. <laughs> nope, but I have it down here because we listened to it, or at least yep. one of us did. Yeah, you. I sure didn't. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and also the first uh, quarantine album, How I'm Feeling Now by Charlie XCX. Yes. We will talk about several of these again in just a moment. Yep. So, out of 41 albums, where should we start? Well, we got to do our top fives, and I believe that you did yours first in the video game section, so I guess that means it's my turn to start us off with my top five albums of the year. All right. If okay, you so like any of those albums, yes, here are, here are top five. the top five albums from that. <laughs> All right, so my top five, um, I believe only one of these will potentially have crossover with your list, and I think you already know which one that will be. I'm going to start at the bottom here. I like how you're covering up your list when you didn't do so for video games, which is a weird, arbitrary choice. Anyways. Oh, well, no, I did that for video games (laughs) because I went first. Yes. No, I realized that. Anyways. uh, But yeah, I'm going to start at number five here. And I'm going to talk about, I believe, a record that I briefly brought up on the podcast, which was the new Illuminati Hotties record, uh, Free IH. So... This thing is a trip, and it's on my list just because of how just 2020 the whole thing is. So it's not a quarantine record. Uh, it was started before uh, 2020, but it is the result of a very 2020 story, which is of a label not handing over masters to an artist's work. Sound familiar? Well, it doesn't just happen to Taylor Swift. So yeah, Illuminati Hotties had to get out of a, 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 a label situation that they were not a fan of. So instead of putting out the proper 
sophomore record in their career, they decided to put out a one-off kind of more experimental uh, mixtape, they called it, called uh, Free IH. And within it are lyrics that specifically reference the fact that uh, the band feels like they are trapped and that they want to get out of the arrangement that they are in and want their own masters back. The flip side of this is that it's a damn good record to boot. Um, and so from all of that drama came some awesome music. So with their first release, the band seemed like they were more kind of a indie rock ballad kind of band. And this one flips that script. There's a lot of hardcore punk on this thing. There's a lot of crazy experimental noise. There's an occasional pop song. There's one that even goes into kind of like a, a Caribbean beat kind of territory. It's basically a great demo of what this band is capable of. And to me, it makes its entry on this list just because of the sheer realm of possibility that it offers the band. They could go any sort of direction that they want from here on out. And it's really, really exciting to think about what their next project will be once they have more creative freedom. So yeah, definitely, definitely awesome. And it's on my list at number five. Number four. <laughs> Thank you. I need the cool announcer voice to back me up. No, but yeah, that's cool that um, Taylor Swift isn't the only one with masters being recorded, <laughs> yeah. being held sure. up. But yeah, it's free a recurring, Yeah, it's a recurring story in music these days is making sure you, as as Sarah from Illuminati Hottie says in one of her songs, you hold on to your masters, folks. <laughs> All right, really on the nose there. Yes. Number four on my list is a uh, artist I talked to, I talked about in the year-end wrap-up multiple times on this podcast, I believe. Uh, the band Waxahachie and their new record, uh, Saint Cloud. Uh, so Saint Cloud is the Waxahachie's been one of my favorite bands for a while. Um, just Katie Crutchfield puts out amazing music that's influenced by indie rock, but also influenced like by folk and Americana. And this time she moved the, the lever all the way to the folk and Americana uh, side of the spectrum. This is a very Dylan-esque record. Um, and it's very much influenced by the, that era of kind of 60s uh, folk. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful album. Like this is the strongest storytelling, she, uh, songwriting and storytelling she's had so far. Uh, the sounds on this thing are just like, just the production on this thing is just pristine. And it just, yeah, it's just the perfect record to just imagine like driving up to the, like to the, to like the cliffside and just like relaxing in your car and just staring up at the stars. It's like that kind of vibe to it. It's just, it's just such a great sounding and feeling record. And it's like a good vibe to have in um, 2020, considering everything else that was going to happen to us that we didn't know when this album was initially released. Right, it's always good to have some good vibes around. Yeah, it's very uh, very comforting music. It's actually, because it's very rootsy and uh, country tinged, it was something I recommended that you guys actually try out, but I don't know if you got around to it. I don't know if you did your homework. Uh, nope, I got enough on that. <laughs> I did not do the homework. I still recommend you listen to it at least once because I think that you might like it more than you think so. You constantly bring up Waxahachie. I think yes. every year you've had... <laughs> Almost. I know, yeah, her last record, uh, uh, Into the Storm, was on my list last year as well, mm -hmm. so yeah. 
Okay. Right. So I'll I'll still put that on my list right next to uh, the Run the Jewels album. <laughs> yeah, that was really good too. I totally forgot that happened this year. All right. But that's Moving... not on your list. <laughs> no, it's not, not on my three? list. Spoiler alert. Uh, no, number three though is an album called Untenable by the band Bad Moves. So this thing was really high on my list initially at the beginning of the year, but a couple of other things happened that uh, pushed it down a notch. But that doesn't mean that it's not amazing. And in any other year, it would have definitely easily been a number one record for me. This thing rocks. It is just pure, like a pure like pop punk record from top to bottom with some just stellar songs on it that are really 2020. Like this thing was written before the pandemic, but the lyrics, you wouldn't be able to tell it wasn't because it deals with a lot of subject matter that's been recurring political themes this year. Songs about like inadequate, like inadequate pay for doing your job, uh, like in, like a government that ignores the existence of global warming, like just just constantly just hitting you with like real, like heavy subject matter, but being like a fun party at the same time, it's just an amazing punk statement in a year full of amazing punk statements. And I think that it's a band that's just getting started, which is gonna make it even more exciting. Is their sophomore release and it's amazing to just witness what they're capable of on this thing. And so, yeah, it's pretty rad. So you expect uh, bigger things from bad moves as you move forward. Yeah, I expect them to make good moves is what I'm saying. I expect bad moves to make very good moves um, and be bigger than ever in the coming Yeah, you stole my joke. (laughs) And also, this is the one, if there was one artist I want to see on this top five um, the most do their music live, these guys are it. I want to see this stuff so that way we can do like all uh, sing the anthemic choruses together in a crowd of people because that's the one thing this thing is missing all right i'll keep a little note here that says buy buy bad moves tickets (laughs) someday when they're allowed to sell them again okay number two number two a record that has dominated my brain since it's come out we have to talk about it sometime. Is it the record I think you're going to talk about? The record you think I'm going to talk about, which is Taylor Swift's Folklore. Oh, it's yeah. only barely not number one. And I'll get to why that's not the case when I talk about my number one. But Folklore has occupied a piece of my brain the entire year since it came out for a reason. This thing, I don't know if it's the best thing Taylor Swift has done, but I definitely think that if you ask me in a few years which Taylor Swift record I will return to the most, I think this might be my answer. Like, it's the, of course, the quintessential uh, quarantine record, and it will be seen, like, as that for a while, I think, because she made it in quarantine. It's very insular. It's very, like, woodsy, uh, folksy kind of vibe to it. But that's not to say it's not just a pure Taylor Swift record. There's still a lot of Swiftian business happening here. The songwriting is strong, is just as strong as ever. Um, the lyrics are more in the storytelling mode that she hasn't really had since Speak Now. And she was able to collaborate with some artists that allowed her to experiment with more interesting and orchestral sounds that she had tried before. Aaron Dessner of The National and our media boat favorite Jack Antonoff 
put their own unique stamp on this thing and made it sound more so than just another Taylor Swift record. Like I was on this podcast gushing about Lover last time we talked, last time we did this year-end wrap-up, but I think that Folklore is five times the record that Lover is. Lover was some killer, but a lot of filler, and this is no filler whatsoever. I do believe Lover was our album of the year last year. It was, but on my personal list, it was only number five because I had such issues with the songs that I thought didn't have any business being Taylor Swift songs. Whereas here, every song works for me. And this thing has only gotten like climbed in my list as I've listened to it. I think when I initially listened to it, it may not have, like I didn't think it ranked as a number one or two record, but I just kept listening to it and finding more nuance in the songs. And then the thing that made, it was at number three for about a couple months there. And then what moved it to number two was the Disney Plus special. When I watched the Long Pond Sessions uh, thing she did for Disney Plus, allowing her and the producers to talk through their reasoning behind the songs and the songwriting process and the meaning made it instantly jump up because I was able to uh, like appreciate even the songs that I didn't really appreciate as much as some of them. And I honestly think that August, one of the songs towards the middle of the record, is maybe the best Taylor Swift song, I think, in her catalog. I know that's going to be really uh, contentious to some people, and I don't know how I can defend myself, but I'm going to try. (laughs) But yeah, just a fantastic record, an example of what Taylor could do, potentially, if she's able to do whatever the hell she wants. Well, we're going to talk about Taylor Swift a little bit more when I get around to it. (laughs) And just like last year, maybe, as you said, it may be the only album that does cross over between our lists. I believe so. Well, depends (laughs) on what your number one album is. Well, the number one, just barely, uh, because Taylor really, really made a great effort this year, is Charlie XCX's How I'm Feeling Now. So... This was a big surprise for me. I, going into 2020, I respected Charlie, and, but honestly, I didn't really give her that much of a shot. I knew that she did, like, that she had really cool stuff, like, she had really cool music, and that she's experimenting with kind of the idea of being a modern pop star, and that's cool, and I'm like, yeah, this is, that's cool. I'm glad that she's doing that, and I listened to the last thing she put out, her self-titled Charlie, last year, and I was like, yeah, there's a lot of guest features on this thing, and it feels kind of bloated, but I guess it's okay in moments. But this thing blew me away when I first listened to it. Right. When the album came out, I asked you, do we like Charlie XCX? <laughs> and yeah, that's a good question, because I think like the reason why I say I respect her is because, yeah, before this, I don't know if I liked her as much as I respected her. Now, though, this thing has won me over 100%. The reason why this works is because it is also a quarantine record, but it's a quarantine record in a way that Taylor's is not. Taylor's is a quarantine record in terms of vibe and feel and tone. Charlie's is a quarantine record in content. She wrote a handful of songs here specifically about the ennui and mental anguish of being trapped inside her home. And I think that's really like compelling in a year where we were all trapped inside of our home for a very long time. There's uh, production here that's also really compelling 
that she's only been able to do at home that is even more impressive as a result. Like there's contributors to this thing, but only contributors that she either lived with or were communicating to with digitally. And the fact, so the fact that it sounds as cool and futuristic as it does is a testament to how well that process worked for her. Um, there's some stuff that like sounds super like unlike any other music that I've heard, but not in an off-putting way, at least to me. I say that at least to me because both you and a friend of the show, Christy, said the same exact thing about this record, which was, I got to the first track and it turned me off so much that I was like burnt out and didn't want to really care about the rest of it. And I don't blame you for that. That's a reasonable thing, a reaction to have because she does part put out the harshest sounding song as track one on this thing. <laughs> so like, I get it. I get being like, all right, that's a barrier to entry. That's too high for me, 100% understand. But once you get beyond that, the record is not about that harsh noise. The record turns out to be about Charlie realizing that she is going through a bout of depression. Like there's a real struggle of her own mental health in these songs. Sure, she's living with a significant other and that she has a very strong partnership with this person, both musically and romantically, but it doesn't keep her from having those dark moments and they pop up almost on every track. But the one-two punch in this song for me is between two songs uh, towards the back end of the record, which are Party For You and Anthem. An Anthems, sorry. Party For You is a song that she apparently had performed in concert before. It had an existing structure of, but then for this release, put on a, um, a bridge towards the end of the song that is 100% like quarantine related. And I wish I had the lyrics in front of me because it's just every single time I hear this, I tear up. I'm not even kidding. Like a Charlie XCX record nearly makes me cry every time I'm listening to it because of how real that, that it just gets me. Whereas basically like she wants to be with this significant other. Yes, they live with each other, but for the song's purposes, she's proposing that they don't uh, in the narrative of the song. And she's like, all I want is basically to put this party for you. Like I want you to like, like celebrate your birthday or whatever, or some milestone with you. I want you to be here with me, but you're somewhere far away and we can't share this moment together right now. And just every single damn time, even right now, I'm like, it gets me because that was my life for three months of this thing. It's not having that connection with the person that you love right there where you can touch them, where you can share things with them. And it does something to your psyche. It does something to your mental health. And I think that Charlie felt what I felt and just hearing somebody transmit that emotion to me via song, especially when this thing came out was just devastating in a way that I don't think folklore even at its strongest moments could even touch for me. And then she follows that with kind of the flip side of that coin, which is anthems, which is the song about just how badly she wants to be out in the clubs with her friends listening to songs and dancing, which is kind of like the other real strong emotional reaction we all had to this is that even if we weren't people who frequented clubs, I know I'm not anymore. <laughs> like even if even if you're not that person, the idea that you can't 
just makes you want to get out there. It just makes you want to party again. It makes you want to be with your friends and just have fun like we used to. And so to have write an entire song that's basically about that just doubled the emotion. And it's just like, so yeah, every single time I listen to that thing, it's just brutal, but it just sounds so good. I keep coming back. So yeah, no, easily my number one record. I did not expect it to be, but it just, it does things to my brain. And I think the number one thing that I appreciate about, appreciate about music is its ability to tap into emotional response. And I think that this thing did it better than anything else this year for me. Love you too, Matt. You know, you felt so strongly about me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well played. Well played. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. So like I said, just to wrap up like that one, I'm just like, I get that it's not going to be for everybody. Right. And uh, as I mentioned, when I listened to it, that, Yes, that first song did indeed mm-hmm. turn me off. And I did yeah. question, did we like Charlie XCX? Was she just like a one-off thing? But when we did listen to the album, I think we did give it a good review. Yeah. But you just yeah. have to listen to the whole album. Yeah, I think it's definitely something you need to sit with and think about. And yeah, maybe it's not going to hit some, uh, other people the same way that it hit me. Because like I said, I was in a unique situation. I'm still in a unique situation. In fact, my unique situations keep getting more unique by the moment. Um, but, but, that, but I still think that there's a nugget of universality in those songs and in the other songs too, where she talks about these emotional states that she's been in that I think are very relatable to a lot of people who have been experiencing this pandemic. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I really liked it. And looking at year-end lists where sometimes it doesn't even show up, Maybe I'm the only person, but if this is, if I'm the only person where it hit me that hard, I'm okay with wearing that, wearing that badge. I'm like, all right, well, I guess this is just my record. It's okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's just for us. And that's Sometimes why we do our list because these us. lists reflect our tastes. Yeah. What we listen to. All right. Well, cool. I need to get that off of my chest. I've been thinking about those thoughts inside my brain for like months now, and I'm glad I got them out in a recorded form. <laughs> right now. Uh, I wasn't recording, so you need to repeat all of that. (laughs) Don't you dare. (laughs) All right, so now it's your turn to tell me about stuff that um, mostly I didn't listen to. (laughs) Right, so um, every year for the past two years now, I've created a Spotify playlist of just 20 whatever, the year song, songs of the year. So that way I, I can listen to it and be like, have a little time capsule of these are the songs of the year. These are the albums that I listen to. It's kind of one of the, kind of the fun things that I like doing about this podcast is end of the year, we get to look back at stuff that we listened to and yeah. talk about and remember fondly of. Yeah. And so when I came to doing my top five lists, I realized, wow, there's only really six albums that kind of uh, really hit me this year or okay. at least made an impact. And you can see them marked off here clearly so bearing it down to a top five wasn't really that hard ordering the top five however (laughs) was a challenge oh for sure i trust me i'm right there with you so um i'm going to start with honorable mention manic by halsey okay yeah because while this was 
the second album we talked about on this podcast for the year is also one the, the first album that got me to create the playlist for the year um, mm-hmm. because Halsey came out of nowhere and just blew me away with her pop song and it was just an entire pop album and I had to pause like do I like Halsey? Do I like pop? <laughs> is this is this me admitting that I like pop music now? <laughs> Have my ears deceived me all these years? Well, two things. Listening tell- to alternative rock? Like, I'll tell you two things. One, it's not just you. Pop records are getting better. And I've been saying this the last two years of this recording this podcast. We are in a renaissance of pop music right now. And two, yeah, that Halsey record was great. And the reason why it worked was, not unlike that Charlie record, she got really deep into her psyche. She talked about mental issues that were affecting her. She got real. Like, there was stuff in that thing where she got, like, very, like, diaristic and very, like, here's a peek behind the curtain of what being Halsey is like. And I think that's the reason why it worked. Right. And it worked. Just didn't work on all levels throughout the album. Because as I went through it, I was like, okay, there are clearly more songs on these other albums that I'll talk to in my top five that I like to more than when I listened back to the Halsey album, it was one or two songs. Right. Three songs, I think, total. Real quick, while we're on the subject of runner-ups, I do want to mention something that I can imagine probably some of the uh, listeners, if there are listeners out there, would be angry at us if we don't mention my honorable mention for my list was definitely Fiona Apple's um, uh, record, uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. I know it's going to be number one on all the big sites this year, so I feel like we should talk about it just real briefly. I did listen to it. I did really like it, but it just didn't click for me to be something I came back to a lot over the course of the year. So just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not like skipping over it. I didn't ignore it this year. It's very, very good. I admit that it's a very good record, but it just didn't become the masterpiece to me that a lot of people, especially these big sites are saying that it is. So I don't know. Maybe it just didn't, it wasn't at the right time for me when it came out. But yeah, I just wanted to, while we're doing honorable mentions, just toss that one out. Okay, see, cause I thought you were gonna go with Women in Music Part Three by Hayne. Oh, that's Heim. another, yeah, he, yeah, Heim's record also honorable mention for me. I really, really loved it, just didn't quite make the list. Right, and uh, last honorable mention, because I just, or at least as of recording this, I just talked it up as a potential album, of Grammy-winning album of the year. Yeah. Love Goes by Sam Smith. Mm-hmm. It's a good album, well-written, a lot of emotion into it. It just came out in November at right. the end of everything. <laughs> And it's yeah. like, I already had my list pretty much set. <laughs> right. That's that the problem point. with late releases. Late year releases always get shafted. Right. With that, though, all that mm-hmm. out of the way, honorable mentions. Number five. All right. Great. Um, I didn't know where to place this between four and five. I kept flipping back and forth. But I ultimately landed on the Chicks Gaslighter album being number five. Mm-hmm. Because I liked more songs than the number four record better. <laughs> but that being said, I really like this album. This was a statement album when it came out. This mm-hmm. was at at release a potential anthem album um, with March March and Gaslighter mm-hmm. leading the way for people to listen to the new The Chicks album. 
Um, and then even when the album came out, you had songs Sleep at Night, Texas Man, and Everybody Loves You, which struck such strong chords in such strong ways of thinking about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From thinking about women to thinking about abortion to thinking about people and how we communicate with people. It was a strong album when it came out. I am kind of surprised I'm not seeing it a lot more places. Yes. So that's the thing that I've been kind of gra- grappling with this record is it's an honorable mention for me. It didn't quite make my list. It's maybe a number six or seven, to be honest. It's just beyond it and i just yeah i don't come back to it as often as their earlier albums and i think just doing that comparison one unfortunately is really unfair because they're some of the in my opinion some of the best country albums ever made uh especially fly and so like one it's unfair to compare you know the current chicks to the past chicks and two i think just in a year so packed jam-packed of good stuff it's very easy for something like this to get lost in the shuffle. But yeah, no, you're, you're right on every, every, everything you said about it. I think there's some real strong emotionality here. It's very much Natalie Maines talking through her feelings about being divorced with somebody she was married to for two decades. That's got to weigh on you. That's got to be a really intense thing to go through. And so putting that to music is a really like wild thing to do. And I think it works here. But it you're right, it's being forgotten. I think it's being forgotten because one, you don't see a lot of radio play on it for those who right. do listen to the radio. And two, because there's such hard-hitting songs mm-hmm. and topics, it's not something you're going to want to listen to yeah. in a club setting, in a yeah. family setting. Yeah, you're it's not going to hear this at the... It becomes a personal album. Yeah. like As they're talking and singing to you, yeah. And not necessarily to the masses. I think you're right. I think you're onto something there. It's it's so ballad heavy, which makes sense because the subject matter. But the downside to that is that the moments of revelry are few and far between. I think Texas Man is the only song on that record that I'm like, that's the fun pop single. That's it. The rest are not there. Even the some of the singles, like the title, like the title song and my personal favorite song of the record, Juliana, Calm Down. Like, I think there's elements of the pop poppiness there, but the subject matter, again, weighs it down and it keeps it from being that fun summer jam that this that it could have been. So it makes it kind of in that weird middle ground where you're like, well, it's not a fun record to dance and party to, but it's really good and emotional and great has great storytelling in it. So it's something that you're like, I would love to listen to this, but I just got to be in the mood for it. It's a lot of substance in a song when I want to listen to something that that's not going to make me feel all that weight (laughs) of the world. Right. That being said, they hit hard. And that's why it's number five. I would love to put it higher. Mm -hmm. I just like all these other albums better to that because yeah. when I'm going to through my 2020 playlist, the Gaslighter is the only song on there yeah. because it's the one that I can listen to on a constant loop or I like it when it comes on and not like, oh, I need to skip because I have someone else in the car. 
skip because, oh, someone yeah. might not like this song. Right. And you right. skip because it totally kills the mood here. Yeah, I don't, I want to skip because I don't want to cry while I'm driving somewhere. Right. <laughs> exactly. Family Man Tears, the podcast, by the way. Family Man Tears. They're coming out today. Anyways. Anyways, I still really like that this album. I'm happy they put it out. Uh, Jack Antonoff yeah. produced it, and yeah. well done. Uh, oh, yeah. Well deserved. He better win that Producer of the Year award. Yeah, and I cannot believe this thing didn't make the cut for most of the Grammys. Like the fact that this was snubbed is my personal. Like I'm not the I'm not mad about the weekend, but I'm mad about the chicks. <laughs> like they needed something for this because they definitely put their, especially Natalie Maines, like put their heart and soul into this thing. So okay, that okay. Moving on to number four, then. Yeah. Um, is the first of the country albums. Okay. An ultimate of the country albums as well. <laughs> uh, well I guess uh, it depends on it depends on whether one thing that I'm sure is going to pop on your list, whether you deem that a country record or not. I'm uh, guessing no. Well, I don't know you see my <laughs> list. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, last year I was all up on Midland. I named it my album of the year. Right. Let It Roll was my top album. Loved every single song on that thing. This year, only uh, <laughs> only one of the country big hitters uh-huh. actually hit me this year. Okay. And that is Here and Now by Kenny Chesney. All right. This album came out March, I want to say. And kind of was supposed to be the summer album and it was definitely felt like a summer album we didn't quite get the summer we wanted to but we definitely <laughs> got the album from it um, kenny chesney can be relied on one thing it is to release summer albums <laughs> yes and so i originally had this as my number five album uh-huh. but when i went back to look at the tracks and like okay let's see what's on this album why was kenny chesney my most played artist according to spotify I can see why, because mm. every song on here in the top uh, nine, I was like, yep, I like that song. 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 I like that yeah. song. Oh, I must like this album then. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Maybe. Yeah. So because it starts off such a strong summer album of we do and we do and we do. And then here and now the title track. It gets you in that summer vibe, and that's what Kenny Chesney does good. I'm so mad that we didn't get to see him in concert this year that he had to cancel it due yeah. to uh, not his doing. Well, yeah. But having heard this in a stadium and chanting out the lyrics back at him would have been one of the highlights of the summer. Oh, yeah. Bar none, easily, easy, easy highlight right there. This album is meant to be played with people especially if you like if you have friends who like Kenny Chesney as I said two years ago I believe with the um, Eric Church album Mm -hmm. this is something that you can just put on in the background at a party and people might not pay attention to it but it will definitely keep the spirits high and that's one thing that I really like that's another one thing I said one thing like five times now because this album is just that that good. It's just one thing that you really liked in 2020. <laughs> it is kind of one thing that I really like. It's just on the tip of my tongue. Also on this album, tip of the tip of my tongue. <laughs> and it's just 
this album can easily put a smile on your face listening to it. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, when most things seemed dire and grim, mm-hmm. I really liked uh, having this album right there that I can fall back to. And so we get into my number three song, three right. album. The other country album on this list. <laughs> this was originally my number one uh, album for quite a while. Oh, wow. Okay. And it probably would have been headed off for these other two just slowly making their earworm way into my <laughs> brain. Yeah. I am talking about Nightfall by Little Big Town. Okay. Not the bombastic country song or country album that you would think I would like, but rather a more melodic, more acoustic version of a country of a country album that kind of hits the right chords if you um if you get my little pun there. <laughs> I mean, with a name like Nightfall, that definitely elicits that, like, cool vibe where you're just, like, you just imagine listening to something, like, at, like, dusk. And just yeah, calm. and it's also, it's a quite a love album as you start off with Next to You and follow that up by Nightfall. But it also has one of my favorite uh, new drinking songs on there. <laughs> The beer, the wine, the whiskey. Okay. Because it's the only thing that hits me. <laughs> I'm not you saying say. it's a problem. I could stop it if I want to. Uh-huh. But who would want to? <laughs> Fair enough. And just those three songs, um, Next to You, Nightfall, and Beer, Wine, and Whiskey, have at times throughout the day, almost <laughs> every single day, one of those songs pops in my head. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good song. That's just an earworm of a song. Yeah. <laughs> just you start humming a lot away with it. It's like, yeah, that's a good album. And then I listen to the whole album. And while some of the songs don't quite, pardon the phrase, slap as hard as Kenny Chesney. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just imagining Kenny Chesney, like, getting a little. Slap happy with people. Oh no, they're, they're, they're like slap happy, <laughs> or near slap happy, or like back slap happy. <laughs> aren't necessarily like slap happy songs, <laughs> but I like their lyrics a lot. And much like yeah. Gaslighter for the chicks, they hit you mm-hmm. and they kind of resonate with you a little bit, especially for people who are in love or feeling of love. That mm-hmm. there are songs on this album that bring that out of you and make you want to listen to it more. It's a, because Little Big Town is a group and they definitely write some good love songs. You can feel that. You can hear that in a lot of the songs on this album, like The Daughters and Over Drinking and Throw Your Love Away. There's a lot of good stuff on this album that while probably 60% of the time I might prefer the Kenny Chesney album. The Little Big Town album kind of hits me stronger at times. And that's why it's number three. Makes sense. Now, I know what your top two are, 
Shocker. Not looking, I don't know which one is above the other. And I, yeah, I honestly don't know which way you went. So enlighten me. Well, you know that I have a top two um, albums. I've been alluding to them for quite a while now, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I decided to go with Taylor Swift Folklore as my number two album. Okay, wow, all right. Shocker? Dual number twos this year. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not shocked. So as I said, I went back and forth, between, uh, much like with my video game list, back and forth between number one and number two, which would be one, which would be two, one or yeah. two, one or two. And they honestly could probably go either way with me because Folklore did appear as my uh, number three uh, top listen to album this year. It's something that I did put on constantly. And as you mentioned it, the um, Pond Studio. Yeah, the long Pond session. Yeah, the Pond session from Disney Plus did like vaulted up there at times to my number one because I did like listening to it that much. And I will say this, when picking a album, I look at the entire album. Can I listen to this thing from front to back? Can I listen to this thing on re- replay, repeat, shuffle, mm-hmm. every which way? That's yeah. kind of how I determine my number one album. And this thing hits it all, all the right notes. Like I said, Everything. all killer, no filler in this thing. It's an all killer, no filler. <laughs> this, I think they're. I mean, okay, I, I, I take that like back. trying to find one that may not be it. I, yeah, I can't. Tell I take her. that back because here's here's what I'll say. The one song that sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for this is Epiphany because it's so goddamn sad. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, the rest totally work. Right, yeah. and even like looking at the name of the album, I'm like, oh, that's just uh, the name of the track on on the album. I was like, oh, that's this song. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. It, it it immediately recalls the song in my head. Right, and that's something that a good album does is that you can put anything on from that album, immediately hit shuffle on the on the album, and it's like, yep, I like this song. Mm-hmm. First thing that pops up, boom, like it play through the whole album on shuffle like it and i really like that from folklore by taylor swift and i honestly cannot give it a good reason why it shouldn't be number one aside from the fact that (laughs) it came out later in the year and another album kind of beat it to the first punch and honestly honestly these are two very different vibes and like i get why you'd be like so split on them because depending on when you wake up you might be in one of two moods. Right. And I think that <laughs> might be why my number one album is my number one. Yeah. Because I can feel more happy listening to that song, yes. to that album, than yes. I can with Folklore. Folklore definitely hits you and mm-hmm. definitely has a good beat and melody and has everything going for it to where, yes, at times I'll just put it on and listen to it in the background while I'm doing work or have something else going on. Yeah. And it's one of those safe albums that you can put on that people will like and enjoy. But, I like that about it. That's a good positive thing. That's not yeah. me say not trying to knock it down. Right. But 
but I liked this other album more, even though other people might find it annoying that I played it so much. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Oh, no. It's just me in my car, right? Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ugh, no one else in my car. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so that brings me to... I don't know. I like I I I'm trying to like say something bad about <laughs> about you don't have to folklore and I I can't. You don't have to. All you have to do is okay, that is number two, but very closely above it is number one. <laughs> you're, you're not talking about like 94, 95% here. Okay. I know. Just go for it. Just all it. right. Uh, so if you thought I was gushing about Taylor Swift folklore yeah. for a long time. Buckle in, because I'm about to just, like, love all over Dua Lipa right now. Gross. Apologies to those listening. Your wife is in the other room. (laughs) Yeah, other room, not here. (laughs) If she she had me listen to, if I had her listen to Future Nostalgia one more time, she'd (laughs) slap the radio and try and change it. (laughs) That's how often I listen to this album. That's how much I put this thing on. It is like an instant dance club. Like if it you just is. want to make a dance club happen anywhere you are, you put this thing on. And just like with folklore, you can put this thing on shuffle and any song mm-hmm. that comes on feels very dancing, feels very poppy. This is a peak pop album. Mm-hmm. And there's a good reason why you see this all over the Grammys getting awards and nominations everywhere. Yeah. Don't know if it's going to win, but the fact okay. that it's being nominated a lot shows the kind of production value and the kind of care that went into making this album. I really, really liked this thing. I would put it in the garage, hit shuffle on it and just throw darts for 30 minutes as the album's played. And because I was able to put it on shuffle and listen to it in any which way order and the album still worked. It's why I think it puts it above folklore because folklore does have it at times where it calls back to albums to songs on itself within the same album right yes which is a good move that is a pretty smart move but if you're playing this out of order doesn't quite work as much unless you've already listened to it it's like oh it's just talking about that song yeah whereas future nostalgia anything on this album is just a banger of a hit this was the supposed to be the club dance music everywhere you're supposed to hit i i think i have 10 out of the 13 songs on my playlist because they're that good they're that fun to listen to and that's why it's my number one album it's a fun album i have a good time listening to this i like a lot of these tracks because they put me in a good mood in a good vibe it hits the right stuff that says hey Everything else can disappear now. I'm here and I'm going to live my best life. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of something that we kind of need every now and then. Oh, yeah, no. Like, yeah, this is another one of those that barely didn't make my list. It's somewhere in my top 10 for sure. Because, yeah, it's just like an instant feel-good dance party every time you put this on. Something that we, yes, you're right, we absolutely need this year. And it could not be kind of like Last of Us two, uh, Part 2 in Hades being next to each other in your video game list these two being next to each other like with folklore is just funny because it's like two again two very different 
philosophies of what you need in a pandemic like battling each other and they're both valid they're there's both arguments to be made about both of those vibes. Sometimes you want one of those, sometimes you want the other, but they can both be great and we can celebrate both of them. Right, and given that last year, my album of the year was Midland and the year before that it was Casey Musgraves, yeah. you go from such strong country yeah. albums to a pure pop album yeah. as my number one album of the year. It doesn't quite compute, but somehow I like it that way. Yeah, but I feel like that's the story of 2020 for a lot of people, me included, which is, being able to spend some time with ourselves, we've gotten to know ourselves and we've gotten to know like, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. If I like this thing, I like this thing. I've gotten into things this year I didn't think I would enjoy that I've enjoyed. And so I think that this is all part of that is like, as we get to know ourselves and grow as people, we learn like, oh yeah, no, if I just let myself enjoy this thing, I can get really into it. Like I can uh, like learn something about myself. And I think that the interiority of quarantine is teaching us all to do that. Um, yeah, so that's why um, Future Nostalgia is my album of the year. Nice. But if we have to crown a site, number one, I think we both know what it has to be. I mean, just like with <laughs> video games, it was the only uh, item that crossed both our lists. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> twice back-to-back champion, I guess. Guess so. Yeah, I guess that does make her two in a row. I mean, we're also a podcast that gave uh, best television shows a good place like three times in a row, so we're allowed to do that. <laughs> hey, if it continues <laughs> to be good, yeah, you don't mess with good. Like, yeah, why, why argue with it? So, yes, congratulations to Taylor Swift's folklore as our media vote podcast 2020 wrap-up best album of 2020. Yeah. Um, with that, I would like to highlight some individual songs. Okay. If I may do so real quick. Um, okay. First one being from the Music to Murder by, I'm sorry, Music to Be Murdered by album by Eminem. <laughs> sorry, but that was the beginning of the year. Yeah, uh, it sure was. The different die. <laughs> Darkness and Godzilla featuring Juice World. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Both are good songs heavy hitter songs and full of huge i don't want to call them downer moments but just hit you right in the feel songs but also like like i said with uh gaslighter that album just is a very heavy album and you gotta be in a good mood for it <laughs> uh we didn't talk anything about lady gaga's chromatica even though we both liked it yeah and again, a good return to kind of a dance pop kind of thing. But in a year where Dua Lipa did it better, it was kind of hard for me to recommend. <laughs> um, I will give a shout out to the Dan and Shay uh, song. I should probably go to bed. <laughs> I should probably put down my phone. I should quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> wow, I'm hearing a different voice come out of your mouth. How weird is that? It's magic of production here. As you can see, that was probably someone's song of the year. <laughs> yes, like we said, earworms. Um, but yeah, just those, I just like to yeah. kind of point those out as singles of the year that are really good earworms, but you know, yeah. a good song does not quite make a full album. It's true. 
You got any uh, individual songs you want to shout out? Um, let's see. Um, that I didn't already talk about on these albums. Mm, not really, actually. Most of most of my favorite songs were on the records that I listened to. Like I shouted out Charlie XCX's "Party for You." I shouted out Taylor Swift's "August." Uh, Bad Moves, uh, Party with the Kids Who Want to Party with You. Um, oh, New Zealand band The Beths. Their record was also kind of hovering around my top five uh, this year. Uh, their song Out of Sight was one I played a billion times on my, on my, uh, while I was working this year. So that's a good one. Um, I feel like there's something. Let me look at this list. Oh, dedic Carly Rae Jepsen's dedicated side B. Um, the the opening track to that thing is a banger and I wish I could remember what it was called. Uh, but yeah, that thing also kind of hovering around my top 10, I think. Uh, Kesha's album High Road, while, oh, while well written. Was disappointing. Disappointing. Yeah, disappointment uh, that I had forgotten until just now. <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah, but, and yeah, we mentioned Women in Music Part 3, uh, a lot of bangers on there. Mm -hmm. uh, Phoebe Bridger's Punisher, I'm going to mention uh, her song Kyoto, uh, which is also the single off that record, is uh, a jam. Positions by Ariana Grande and yes. 3435. She yep. is a horny you, woman. You really like that one? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that, that pretty much covers it, I think. All right. And with that, congratulations once again to Taylor Swift for... Yes once again, winning our album of the year. Yeah. If you liked this and you'd like to hear us talk about video games. Do I? We have that end of the year wrap up available right now. So check it out. Uh, we still have television and movies to get to, um, which will be up in the following days, unless you're listening to this in the future, in which case they're up right now. True. So go ahead and enjoy those. <laughs> and we'll be and don't forget to listen to us on our regular show on wednesdays with yes. new episodes yes uh, is you. that it we yeah, i think thing? so we'll see All you right. next time for yeah. television unless television is already up and you're listening yeah. to this in the future in which case go and listen to it right now okay bye